I've been itching to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning for about seven or eight months now. So probably best to buckle the chin strap and put your seat belt on and hold on best you can. And I'm going to need your undivided attention. I don't have, uh, and I'm not trying to be a smarty when I say it this way. I'm just trying to to let you know how important it is this morning that you listen closely. And uh, that uh, I don't, if we're going to cover this much ground, and I believe we need to cover a lot of this ground, I don't have time to stop and give Sunday school lessons in the middle of it. You're going to have to pick up as we go along, listen intently and, uh, and closely, get a pencil, make a few notes, but make your notes quickly so you don't miss what's coming next because we've got a lot of things we want to cover this morning. Now, I'll preach fast and hope you will listen fast, and I hope it's one that you can go back to the recording maybe that uh, is either being videoed or that's being recorded on audio and listen to again and again and receive some things from it. If we can't finish this morning, we'll come back and revisit it tonight, and there is a lot of branches that will come off of this well that we're digging into this morning, I'm sure, and I'm praying that the Lord's leadership would be given to us in this and wisdom. Acts chapter 2, if you found your place, I would invite you to stand with us. We'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Acts chapter 2 and in verse number 1, the word of God says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Down in verse number 13. Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Galilee and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, Be known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants, nor my handmaidens, will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while I read the word of the Lord. I want to give you, for those of you who are making some notes this morning, I want to give you some scripture references that you may just want to jot down and return to when you maybe look further into this and study it in the days ahead. Exodus chapter 19, specifically verses 17 through 20, 
And then chapter number 20 of Exodus. And if you will come back to those and I'll show you the significance of them in just a moment. John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39. And also in Luke 3, 16 and 17. Romans 8, 11. Hebrews, important one if you're writing some down and not catching all the references this morning. Hebrews 12 verses 18 through 24. And Leviticus 22 and 23, those two chapters, will reference things from both of those chapters this morning. And Luke eleven thirteen. Now hang on, we're going to try to get to all of those here in just a moment as we look into this passage. Setting the stage for what we're talking about this morning, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. For most of us, we think of Pentecost and we think of it being here in Acts chapter 2 and in verse number 1. Pentecost to us is a time in which as believers in the New Testament church as Gentiles is the time in which the Holy Spirit came down upon the church first at Jerusalem. And that is accurate. But when it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it makes reference to something that the Gentile knows very little about. Because we don't live according to the days and the feast times and the new moons and the Sabbaths that they celebrated in the Old Testament. These tarrying believers in Jerusalem were filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire at Pentecost. They had prayed in the upper room, according to chapter number 1, where they had gathered together and tarried in the upper room. And the Bible says in verse 2 of our text that they were filled in the house. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, many times we've heard people talk about them being filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room. I suppose that is possible. I tend to believe that they had spent time in prayer in the upper room and they were filled in the house which I think is the temple. I believe where they are gathered is the outer court of the temple and that is where they are filled. Thus they begin to preach this message to those who are strangers and who do not know about the glorious gospel of Christ and the meeting spills out of the house where they are seated in one accord and in one mind where they're gathered together there. Jesus said it this way in John 2. My house shall be called a house of prayer and it filled all the house where they were seated again if you think they were filled in the upper room I won't argue with you there was certainly prayer preparation made there and it's possible that's the place where the wind came but I believe it came through the house at the temple is what I'm thinking the spirit filled meeting wherever it may have been held uh, my friend is spilled over into the streets and when it did the gospel was declared and sinners were convicted and lost men were saved and the New Testament church was born and over 3,000 were saved a converted came to Christ and came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ on that first day and it happened as the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost. Now our text verse in verse number 1 of chapter 2 says and when the day of Pentecost was fully come fully come this term indicates that it was a day long anticipated the fact of the matter is it was at least 1500 years in the making 
as man could see it. And it was eternally purposed in the heart of God for this time. This morning I want to roll back the clock to the beginning of Pentecost, to the root of Pentecost, to the feast of Pentecost, and show you how the Jews, the Hebrew people, would have viewed this day in anticipation. We think about it as those seven days they spent in the upper room or in Jerusalem and praying and watching for the Lord's Spirit to come down as Christ had promised. But it had been going on long before that. They had anticipated these days long before that. 1,500 years before our text. There is a group of people who have been brought out of Egyptian bondage. The Passover has taken place. Their lamb has been slain. The blood applied to the doorpost. And when God passes through Egypt that night in Exodus, He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And they have been spared death because of the uh, sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Fifty days, fifty days later, they are gathered in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 19, while they are gathered in the wilderness, that God comes down and visits with them. Fifty days after the Passover, the word Pentecost means fifty. It means fifty, the fiftieth day after the Passover, God visits with His people who have separated themselves from the world, who have come out of Egyptian bondage, who have been saved from the, and delivered from their oppressor, who have crossed over the parted sea, who are now in this wilderness journey, and God comes down, and He comes down with smoke and with fire. Matter of fact, He will follow them in a pillar of cloud, a cloud of fire by day and a pillar of smoke or a pillar of smoke by day and a cloud of fire by night. He will follow them about, or really they will follow Him about, in the wilderness in this manifested presence of God. And 50 days after that first Passover, the manifested presence of the Holy God of Heaven came down and fellowship with His people. This day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 50 days after the Passover Lamb, of the New Testament the Lord Jesus has offered Himself so that we might be delivered from death, damnation, and bondage. And the manifested presence of God that was promised to the Lord when the day of Pentecost was fully come and came down according to His promise and fellowship, God fellowship with His church. Not a church in the wilderness. Not a church my friend, hey, led by Moses, that Old Testament a testator. Oh no friend but a church at Jerusalem. A church in the Holy Mount. A church led by Jesus Himself. The testator of a better covenant built upon better prominences. And the Holy Ghost manifested itself Himself among them that day. And God made Himself known. And we look at it and think of how wonderful it must have been. Can you imagine waiting 1500 years on something? Your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, the generations before
for you. I've said there's coming a day when God's going to do again what He did in the wilderness. He's going to show Himself the way He showed Himself then. He's going to fellowship with us the way He fellowship with us around Mount Sinai. And there'll be shaking and quaking and fire and smoke. And all those things will come to pass. And you look for it every year, 50 days after the Passover and it doesn't happen. 50 days after the Passover and it doesn't happen. 50 days after the Passover, 1,500 years go by. And people grow weary and grow tired. But these disciples have a word from Jesus. He said, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me. He said, I'm going to my Father and I'm going to pray for another comforter to come into you. Go tarry in Jerusalem till you're in view with power from on high. They knew what He was talking about. And the Holy Ghost is going to come down and He's going to teach you in all the ways of truth and right. And He's going to comfort you when you're weary. And He's going to strengthen you when you're weak. And He's going to instruct you in my Word. Oh, and 50 days later when the day of Pentecost was fully come, my friend, the Holy Ghost came down. The wind began to blow again. The fire lit upon them. They began to shake and tremble. My friend, and the Holy God of heaven rocked the city of Jerusalem with the Holy Ghost, Pentecost fire. And 3,000 people were saved. And what had been 1,500 years unfolding, my friend, was manifested before their very eyes. Hallelujah. And when a person is saved by God's marvelous grace, and my friend then yields himself wholly unto God and allows the Lord to flood his soul like a river with the Holy Spirit of God, Pentecost happens again in us. And God fellowships a man through the person of the Holy Spirit because of the sacrifice of our Passover lamb. I'm saying you can also commune with the Lord. You can also be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can also know the manifested presence of God in your life and it will empower us. It will empower us. Now, there were seven major feasts or festivals of Israel. And i got to quit bootleg preaching get right into what I'm doing here. There were at least said there were seven major feasts. There were others uh, ancillary, but there were seven major feasts uh, on the Hebrew calendar in the Old Testament. And on the occasion of three of those feasts, the Lord commanded all the men of Israel to attend. The feast of the Passover was one of those. The feast of the uh, Pentecost that I'm preaching on today was one of those. Uh, and the Feast of the Tabernacles that we'll say a little bit about if the Lord will give us time here in just a moment. How uh, was the other one of those? Those three. Uh, uh, now we'll probably come back to some of these other feasts in the days ahead at some point if the Lord will give us wisdom and liberty. But this Feast of the P- uh, Pentecost is what I'm preaching about today. It would mark the first time. Uh, I wouldn't it mark, uh, my friend, after that first Passover, 50 days after that first Passover when God would fellowship with His people in power. And every year the people of God would celebrate the Passover. Then 50 days later they would celebrate the Pentecost. The 50 day anniversary. And as surely as they would recognize the Lamb that brought them out of Egyptian bondage in the Passover, they would look for the presence of God in glory and in power and in manifestation at the day 
day of Pentecost. This feast is called by four names in the Bible. It is called the Feast of Pentecost, and we'll refer to it that way this morning at times. It is called the Feast of a Harvest, and I'm sure I'll refer to it that way a few times in the message this morning. It is called the Feast of Weeks. That is seven weeks from the day of Pentecost, from the last day of the Passover, seven weeks plus a day, to the day of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. And it's lastly called the Feast of the First Fruits. Feast of the First Fruits. Now we'll not dig deeply into all four of these names and their significance. But we will reference them this morning. And so when I talk about any of those four names, it's the same feast, the Feast of Pentecost that is fully come. And now I only have three little points to this message this morning. And a few things about those things. Hey, So first of all, let's talk about the topology of the the feast of Pentecost. It's called the feast of harvest. And I believe that indicates for us what the topology of this feast is. For it was held at the end of the harvest season. The first days of harvest begin around the time of Passover. And at Pentecost, the final flourishing of fully ripe ears of grain were gathered in. Golden grain, fully ripe grain, white unto harvest. It was the most productive time of ingathering of the crops. And it is the last days of those crops. If they're not plucked at the day of, and not brought in at the day of Pentecost and the days shortly thereafter, time is limited. The fields that are white will ruin. What's out there ready to be harvested will be wasted. The fields are ready. The fields are ripe. The fields are waiting for reapers. Oh, hear me. I'm going to get more into it in a moment. But we are in harvest time. We are in the harvest season. Now's the time to get in. That which is going to be gathered must be gathered now. He that's going to work better work while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. And Jesus said, say not there are four months. And then cometh the harvest. I say, look on the fields. They are wide already to harvest. I pray, but the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth labors into the harvest. Amen. If you're lost this morning, now's the time you better get in. If you're saved, now's the time you better be a witness. If you care anything about being ready when Jesus comes, now's the time you better get right. These days are the harvest days. These are the days of the gathering in. And it's the last days of it. Notice when Peter preached in this passage of Scripture, he said these are things that we're speaking of is that which was spoken of by prophet Joel. In verse number 17, it shall come to pass. In the last days, the last days, saith the Lord. How you realize we are living in the last days. And this church age, this dispensation has the last opportunity wholesale for man to make my friend his peace with God there is coming a day of shaking and trembling my friend there's coming a day of display and power we're going to talk more about it if I can never get there in a moment there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to blow and my friend Jesus is coming back you better get in while you can while it's harvest season you better get in the family of God Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 
Oh my, my. Ever since about February, I've been stewing on this and i got enough pulling up in me right now to preach out of my shirt sleeve for about an hour. Have a praise God that He let me live in the harvest season. Hallelujah. That He let me get into the family of God. That He brought me in. Bless His name. Oh, listen, friend. It was that harvest season. The first day of the harvest began. And now, friend, these ripe ears were fully ready to be reaped. Oh, praise God. It was the finishing, the fulfillment of the harvest at Pentecost. And the Jewish people celebrated the Passover for their deliverance. But the Gentile church began to be brought into the harvest because of Pentecost. And Passover started. And my friend, what Pentecost would finish. Are you listening? I'm saying the Jews celebrated Passover and said because Passover we got out of Egypt. And the Gentiles celebrate Pentecost and say because of Pentecost we were brought in. Praise God. He let us in. The Gentile church, the New Testament church was birthed at Pentecost. And this is the reason why into the far corners of the earth Jesus said when you are filled with my spirit I'll make you witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know why I'm preaching in Bremen, Georgia this morning on the other side of the world from where this shaking took place in Acts 2 because Pentecost had gave birth to the Spirit of God in this old world the bosom of the believer that made him a witness and shared the gospel completely across the ocean on the other side of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My soul, I wish I could tell you what's in my heart this morning. The Jewish people celebrated that, but the Gentile people celebrate the Pentecost. Now at the time of Pentecost, the great gardener reaps seed that has been sown a long time ago. It's harvest time. And the great gardener, by the way, Jesus said, I'm the vine, my father is the husbandman. Ye are the branches. The great gardener reaps some seed that he sowed a long, long time ago. Woo! Oh, bless his name. You see, Pentecost was sown at Sinai and entered the final harvest at Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. The church age is the great harvest. But we see its roots in the first seeds of what was sown for Pentecost 50 days after that first Passover lamb. Let me tell you a little bit about that. I'm going to be done with this part of this message, at least on the typology. At that time of the first Pentecost, that first giving at Sinai, there are a few things that it was characterized by. Fifty days after the first Passover came that first Pentecost, that first feast of weeks, that first feast of harvest, that first feast that they were known there, my friend, of weeks and first fruits. And this is what took place in Exodus chapter 19. The Bible tells us about it. Beginning around verse number 18, the scripture says there is a shaking that takes place. At that first visitation of God on the mountain that they celebrated at Pentecost, there was a shaking that took place at Mount Sinai, Exodus 19 and 18. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly. Matter of fact, if you'll keep reading, you'll find out not only did the mountain shake, but the people shook. And Moses 
Moses shook and the whole earth shook. There was a shaking that took place. And you see, there's a fire and there's a shaking. How God is a consuming fire. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us the New Testament account of what happens in Exodus chapter number 19. Hebrews 12 and 29 says, Hey, it happened because our God is a consuming fire. The entire mountain of God had trembled at reference to His power and His presence. Now listen to me. The presence of God is not some frivolous thing that you should take lightly. It's not something that you ought to enter into popping bubble gum and uh, using uh, street language and uh, my friend talking and being frivolous and careless. You ought not to come into the presence of God. Uh, my friend, lightheartedly, it is not one of those kind of things. The mountain was called the holy mount. And it was not holy because the dirt there was different than anywhere else. It was holy because God came down on it. Uh, and when the Holy Spirit of God manifests Himself, uh, we ought not to be lighthearted or frivolous. Uh, and there's a reason why we don't have a popcorn machine and at the lobby this morning and we oh, there's a reason we don't sit as if you were in a theater eating uh, uh, popcorn and drinking Pepsi Cola and watching the show around the church house and uh, this is a place of holy reverence and uh, this is a place where God's presence is sought and desired uh, and praise God sometimes experienced uh, amen and we yearn for and long for and that presence of God to be manifested among us and we realize it's a holy thing it's a reverential thing it's a precious thing it's not a frivolous or light hearted thing and we're not playing some tiddly wing game this morning and we're not here to goof off and to see and to be seen it is a reverential thing it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God Amen. There ought to be some shaking. And then after there's some shaking, there's some speaking. The Bible said in Exodus chapter 19, verse 19, And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. When Moses called unto the Lord, God answered him by a voice. God spoke to Moses in power at the first Pentecost. And he spoke to the apostles and the other believers in power at the New Testament Pentecost. And he speaks to the child of God through the Spirit of God and the Word of God even in these days. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 4 Verse 31 says it this way, Acts 4 and 31, if I can find my place here. Acts 4 and 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. I mean, when God, the Holy Ghost came down on them, there was some speaking. God spoke to them and they spoke unto the people and they spoke with boldness and with power and with manifestation of the Spirit of God on their lives and anointing. And my friend, the crowd around them in that same chapter said, these men are ignorant and unlearned. But it's clear they've been with Jesus. And you're anointed with the Holy Ghost. That will show upon you. Hallelujah. And the way you speak and how you speak. And my friend, how that you carry out the message that God
even to you. God spoke to them and they spoke to the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm afraid we got some men speaking, some people speaking in our generation and trying to speak for God, but they had never spoke to God and God's never spoke to them. Amen. And if we're going to have a message for the world, we're going to have to have a message from the Word and have a message from the Lord. Hallelujah. But there was a shaking and there was some speaking. And to my friend, the sound. Notice the shaking, the speaking, the sound. Exodus 19 and 19, the Bible said, the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder. I do like that verse of Scripture, by the way. It sounded long and it sounded got louder and louder. As somebody said, I don't know why you had to preach so loud. I'm telling you, it's amazing to me. We were gone this last week out of town and there we went to a couple of events and every event we went to just to talk to each other, you had to scream at one another. I mean, all the PA systems were so loud. We went into SeaWorld to see a show and this thing and I, I fished jumping everywhere. I mean, it's amazing. How about the sound systems were so loud you couldn't even talk to one another about the show how what is going to everything so loud having a meal with a bunch of others and the restaurant loud by the end of the week my nerves just about gone I'm holding on my head like this thinking when is somebody going to shut up and the thought came to me all week long this crowd is flocking to this place and you can't put them in here and folks say well I wouldn't come to church but that preacher in that church is just way too loud. They're not staying away because we're loud. I'm telling you, they're filling up the places that are loud. They may be staying away because they're lost. They may be staying away because they don't want it. They may be staying away because we're not inviting them. They may be staying away for a lot of reasons, but we need to quit blaming it on being loud. And we need to realize when the Holy Spirit shows up and the sound goes forth, praise God, it can get louder and louder and louder. Somebody said it's not just because it's loud. It's because it's long. And yet when the trumpet of the Lord sounded, it got longer and louder and louder and longer. Praise God for the sound. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not an event of silence, but the sound of a shout. The voice of the trumpet that tells us the sound wasn't heard Oh, he says here, verse 19, and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, not the priest playing the trumpet, not uh, Moses or Aaron blowing the horn, but the voice, the voice of the trumpet. And God answered Moses by voice. You know what that trumpet was? It's the voice of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it was not an event of silence. The voice of the trumpet is a sound that was heard, not of the priests or the people, but the trumpet of God, the trumpet with a voice. Oh, and then not only was there a shaking and a speaking and a sound, but there was a spirit that was descending on the mountain in Exodus 19 and 20. The Bible said, And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord coming down... 
The coming down of the Lord was a foreshadowing. It was a seed sown that would be harvested in the book of Acts. Jesus said it this way in John, John 16 and 7. It is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comforter will not come. But if I depart I'll send him unto you and when he has come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is just. I have yet many things to say unto you but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he'll show you the things to come he shall glorify me that's what's happening at Pentecost for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you all that the father hath are mine therefore said I that I he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you a little while and you see me no more and yet again a little while and you shall see me for I go to my father oh bless his dear name and the Lord showed them that at Pentecost. Amen. He let them know it was coming. Hallelujah. We've been reading about it during our revival meeting. John chapter 7, verse 37. And in the last day, that great day of the feast, that feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But thus he spake concerning the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But he had been given, he had been glorified, and the Holy Spirit came down like a river on the day of Pentecost and filled the believers according to the promise of the Lord. Now when Jesus said at the end of that Feast of Tabernacles, if you thirst come unto me, I'll give you living water flowing out of your belly, a river of living water. At the Feast of that Tabernacles, can't preach on that, and I got another feast to preach on this morning. But I got to mention this because it ties right in what we're talking about. At the end of that Feast of Tabernacles, that priest, that high priest, at the close of it would get a pitcher of water and he'd go through town. And folks, while he was walking through and during the ceremonial part folks were not allowed to drink or to eat and he'd say if any man thirst let him come unto me holding that water in his hand and it was to signify that until the Messiah came you followed the priest with a pitcher of water and every step or two he'd walk he'd pour out a little bit of that water and the thirsty people behind him could not drink but they'd walk it poured out on the ground and he'd say until Messiah cometh and he'd pour out a little more water and as he walked through town folks would follow him and then listen to his words and he'd say until the Messiah cometh and after a while the pitcher would be empty and there'd be no more water to drink and the feast of tabernacles would be over but at the end of this feast Jesus said if you're thirsty don't follow him I'm here follow me and said I'll give you a river living water it'll be like a, a river flowing out of your wall, out of your belly the water's not going to run out you'll never get thirsty anymore and the Bible said that river is the Holy Ghost and it came down at Pentecost Woo! that makes me happy in the Lord praise God 
That's why I was saying when I was a boy, flow through me. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Praise God. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're thirsty, I'll give you a drink. I'll give you a well. I'll give you a river. Hallelujah. The Spirit descending. And then at that first Pentecost, there was a shaking, a speaking, a sound, a spirit descending. And then there were scriptures revealed unto them. In Exodus chapter 19, as soon as the Lord showed up, calls Moses upon the mountain. Chapter 20, do you all remember what that chapter is? That's that chapter, the giving of the great Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone. After the Holy Ghost came down, the Spirit of God manifested itself among His people. God gave them a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. He gave them the word of God. The Lord gives the Ten Commandments, the table of stone. These Ten Commandments would mark these Hebrews as separated people. They were called Hebrews because they were supposed to be separate. One from the other side of the sea. One from a separate land. One unlike any other. We remember Brother Page preaching about Abraham, the Hebrew. He's different. He's separated. He's called out. And if these Ten Commandments were given to them to remind them you are not Egyptians. You are not like the world. You are not Canaanites. You're Hebrews. You're different than the world. You've been called out. God has brought you out of Egyptian bondage. The Passover lamb has changed your life. You're not like other people. You are not to live like other people. You're not to walk like other people. You're not to think like other people. Here's how God intends for you to live your life. There's two primary areas of concern of that law God gave. First of all, it deals with God's relationship with man and man's relationship with God. It is to deal with us and the Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not going to worship any graven images. Not going to take my name in vain. Don't uh, don't blaspheme that Sabbath day. All these things. Keep it holy. Uh, this relationship between God and man. The second area of concern that it addresses is the relationship between man and man. Amen. Uh, between us. Uh, that is, I'm not supposed to lie to you. I'm not supposed to steal from you. Not supposed to kill you. Amen. Uh, not supposed to have. Uh, I'm not supposed to have a, a desire or a covetous nature concerning your stuff or your wife or your husband or your servants or your livestock that deals with our relationship one with another and when they ask Jesus what's the greatest commandment he said love the Lord thy God with all thy heart soul strength and mind and the second is like unto it love thy neighbor as thyself and if you keep these you keep all the law and all the commandments I'm going to tell you God's people are different and how we deal with God amen and we are different and how we deal with one another. We've been called out from Egypt. We've been called out from the world. We have been marked as a peculiar people, as a royal priesthood, as a chosen generation, as a holy nation. And we have been chosen to show forth the light of the glorious gospel who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you're saved this morning and the Spirit of God dwells in you, you can't live like everybody else lives and be satisfied with your relationship with God. Are you listening to me this morning? Amen. Everybody remembers 2 Corinthians 5.17, don't you? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
Y'all remember what one chapter over says, 2 Corinthians 6 and 17? Wherefore saith the Lord, come out from among them and be ye separate. Amen. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. If you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, you need to come out of the world and keep your hands off the separate things. Amen. Off the worldly things. Be separated unto God. If you want to be received of the Lord now that you are different, you need to be different. Amen. You need to live a different life. Think a different thought. Walk a different way. Amen. Have a different fellowship in your life. Amen. The Lord commanded them in Exodus, don't touch the mountain. He said if you come against it, if you come up on it, if you breach the mountain is the term he uses, if you touch this mountain, if you break forth upon the mountain, then the Lord will break forth upon you. If you oppose the Spirit of God and the presence of God, God will oppose you. If you come against the Spirit of God, then God will come against you. You'll perish don't oppose the work of God, the presence of God, the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Hear me, friend. You cannot mount the Holy Ghost and get by. Jesus said all manner of sin will be forgiven to man. If you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, that will not be forgiven to you. That's what he says, what Jesus said. There is power in the presence of God. When God filled those apostles... In the book of Acts, they received the same power that shook the mountain at Sinai. Are you listening to me? When God filled the apostles in the book of Acts, they received the same power that was sown on the mountain at Sinai. It was harvest time. <laughs> and God was reaping seed that He sowed 1,500 years before. Oh, listen to me here. And when you sow in one seed, when you reap, you don't sow in the same measure that you've sown, but you reap in a multiplied, multiplied quantity. You may sow with an acre and reap with an oak tree. You may sow with a kernel of corn and reap 50 years of corn. You may sow with a watermelon seed and reap 50 full-size watermelons. Oh, and on the day at Sinai, God sowed amongst a ragtag group of former slaves coming out of Egypt that praised God in Jerusalem. And this thing was not hidden. It was not in a corner. But He did it before the whole world. And he did it in power and in might and in glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Not only that, the fruit of it has reverberated even unto 2,000 years later. Amen. And we pluck another grape off the vine. Every time that God saves another sinner. Every time that God fills another person with the Holy Spirit. Every time another sermon is preached and anointing and power. And there's another grape plucked off the vine. And we're living in harvest season. Is anybody listening this morning? Hallelujah. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with this message. I ain't even close to being anywhere near done. I haven't got through the first half, first point, but I'm going to quit somewhere here in just a minute. 
But we'll finish it. Don't worry about it. I, I'll finish it or bust. I mean, I've got to finish it. I don't really know if this thing's ready to preach or not. I just know I can't stand the light waiting no longer. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He reaped what he had sown on Sinai. Amen. When he filled the apostles, he put in them the same power at Pentecost that he put on the mountain at Sinai. And listen to me. If it had shake a whole mountain and set it on fire, it is no wonder that it had set the service of the Lord on fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said, Preacher, you're back. this thing's going slam over my head. It's hard to throw a mountain over somebody's head, ain't it? Amen. And if it's going over your head, that's what you're missing. The whole mountain of God. The entire experience with God. Hear me say, people are not just people who are going to heaven. Praise God, we are going to heaven. But we're not just people who are going to heaven. We are people in whom heaven is living in us. Amen. The same power that lit up the mountain lights up the servants. Hallelujah. And you wonder why I get carried away. Let's jump in the Wayback Machine. Go look at the mountain shake and the smoke billow off and the fire burn. And let me tell you again, that's in me. And if you're saved, it's in you. I've wondered how we don't get carried away. It does not surprise me that God's people are anointed with power. It surprises me that we let the devil treat us the way we do. Amen. Hallelujah. If anybody listen to what I'm preaching this way. That same power that lit the mountain up, lit the apostles up, and lights up his service today. That same experience of Passover and Pentecost was experienced by the Old Testament church. Passover and Pentecost is experienced by the New Testament church. And Passover and Pentecost is experienced in the life of the believer if he knows the Lord. Passover is the redemption. Amen. It's where Christ pays for our sin. He becomes our Passover lamb. He eats that Passover with his disciples, passes around the bread. Talk more about this bread. We get to that first fruits. We're going to deal with that in another service. But he passed around that bread and handed it unto his disciples. And he said, this is my body. Break it. Eat. This is my body which is given for you. It's not the lamb on the table. It's the lamb on the cross that you need to look to. And Jesus became the last lamb. He became the perfect lamb. He became the Lord's lamb. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. Then after the lamb was offered, Pentecost comes Fifty days later at the end of the harvest season. In your life, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, it is the perfect will of God that you be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. Am I rightly dividing this, Brother Matthew? You're smarter than what I am these days. I used to try to teach y'all young preachers something. Now y'all teach me something. But I believe I'm rightly dividing this this morning. If you've been saved by God's precious blood... This morning, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now listen to me. Don't get carried off in something that's not right. We get filled in our text in chapter 2. We read that just a minute ago in Acts chapter 2. If you look over in chapter 4, I think it's verse 21. Same people's preaching. They're getting filled all over again. Is that right? Verse 21? Verse 31. Chapter 4, verse 31. Yeah. Verse 31. They're getting filled all over again. Is that not right? 
Matter of fact, a Pentecost like happening has taken place and there's a shaking. Is that not right? Chapter 4, verse 31. There's a shaking, there's a sound, and the Holy Spirit fills all of them. I'm not preaching something not in the Bible this morning. What I'm saying to you is there is one Passover experience for you. Are you listening to me? You can never be saved but one time. And you don't need to be saved but one time. Matter of fact, if I needed to be saved more than once, I'd want to be saved more than once. Amen. But you only need to be saved once. But whereas there is one Passover, there is in your life many Pentecosts. However, there is one occasion where the Lord bursts you and His family there will be many times if you serve him where the Lord will fill you with his spirit and use you for his glory and this filling of the Holy Spirit is not so you can shout or so you can show off though I do like shouting but it is so you can serve God when my spirit has come upon you, Jesus said, you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. He will make you a witness, a servant of God when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. This morning you want to go to heaven, but you don't want to do anything for Jesus. You may possibly, I don't know if you have or not, it's when you're in the Lord, you may have had a Passover, but you're in need of a Pentecost. Amen. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I believe I'm saved, but you don't want to do nothing for Jesus. It's an indicator you need a Pentecost in your life. If you ever have been filled, you've been emptied out. You need a river flowing through you. You see, a river is different than... Really, we're not vessels. The Bible calls us vessels. It's, we're an imperfect example to use. We are not uh, perfect people. I'll deal more with that in tonight, maybe the message as we go on further. But we think of being filled as taking a glass of water and filling it up. It don't work that way. Every one of you and me, we tend to spring a leak. And so we can't just be filled. If we could just be filled and sealed, it'd be a one-time thing and done. Like a mason jar. Fill it up, seal the top, pop it in, put it in the counter. I'll wait till we get to heaven, uncork the thing, and we'll just be fresh as we were. That day we got filled up. But we see, we're not like mason jars. We are leaky vessels. There's a hole in the bucket. Amen. We are cisterns that cannot hold water. And we are vessels that are leaking and flawed. And my friend, we are imperfect. I'll deal more with that when I deal with these loaves of this first fruits part of this festival tonight, maybe. But tonight, or today, listen, we are imperfect. And if we're going to be filled with that water, we can't just have a spigot turn on and dump out and put the top on us. We've got to have a continuous inflow. A continuous inflow of the Holy Spirit of God. Because as quick as it's flowing in, the world's dragging it out. Amen. But Jesus said, I'll put in you a river 
A river, hallelujah. Praise God that'll never run dry. There is a river sent from God above. There is a fountain filled with His great love. Come to this fountain. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. I'm saying to you this morning, if you've lost your zeal, you've lost your desire, you feel like you're an empty vessel, I do like we sang about when I was a boy. Lord, here I am, an empty vessel. Fill me, Lord, one more time. Oh, praise God. Fill it up again. Give me another chance to serve you. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Paul wrote the book of Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, matter of fact. Late in his ministry, probably has been a preacher of the gospel for 20 plus years, maybe longer by the time he writes the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And you know what he says in them, Brother John, after all those years, passages of scripture written, all those visions and dreams, the abundance of revelation so great, God had to send a messenger of Satan just to keep him humble, carried him off into heaven and brought him back. And you know what Paul said about it all when he looked at his life? After many years of being a mature Christian, being full of the Holy Ghost, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. (laughs) Oh, listen to me this morning if you know anything about being saved and having the power of God in your life. It does not mean that you are something and somebody and that now nobody can touch in you. The devil can't beat you. And that you will never falter or fail or go off the rails in any way. What it means is you know what it is to be received and used to the Lord. And you're more than ready to get back to that place where you say, oh, wretched man that I am. I think deliverance and God will send it to you again. Hallelujah. Does anybody understand what I'm preaching? I don't know if I'm making an ounce of sense or not this morning, but I'm preaching what God's given me. Filled with the Spirit of God at Pentecost. There's two more things. I only preached the first one this morning. I hadn't finished yet. There's two more, but we're going to throw an emergency break because it's an emergency. I'm running out of clock and running out of strength and you're running out of uh, endurance. That's the emergency. Amen. Oh, this morning, listen to me real closely. Please listen to me real closely. If you're saved by the grace of God this morning, but you're not a true servant of the Lord, you're spending your life spinning your wheels. You're operating in weakness instead of in power. Your prayer life is weak. You know when you bow your head that it's just bouncing the sound off the ceiling and you feel like you can't get a hold of God. Let me tell you, it does not have to be that way. You look at His Word and you may as well be looking at ants crawling on a page. There's nothing there. Oh, and the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. But the Holy Ghost gives them unto us. I'm saying to you this morning, if you are saved and struggling and fighting and scuffling 
but you feel like you're getting nowhere, would you come back to God? If you're thirsty, would you hear the words of Jesus? Come to me. I'll let the river flow far from you. If you're hungry and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled with the Spirit and the bride say come. Let him that heareth come. He that thirst, let him come. Would you drink of the fountain of water of life freely? Would you have a Pentecost experience with the Lord this morning? I'm going to say something's going to rattle some of you, and I'm just going to say it, so don't get too scared. I love you. And I don't know if you'll wholly understand this, receive it or not, but it's fact and it's true whether you'll have it or not, and I would to God you'd have it because it revolutionized your life. Is everybody listening? Just a minute, I'm going to say it now. If you have never had an experience with the Holy Ghost as a saved person where God gets every square inch of your being and you surrender completely to Him, you are out of the will of God. Is everybody listening? Be not drunk with wine wearing its excess, but be ye filled. It's a commandment. I'm going to tell you something else. If there was a time in your life when you were totally surrendered to the Lord, but today you are not. You are not in the will of God. And that can change today. Amen. Please come with a song. I've got to stop preaching right here. We'll come back tonight, hopefully. Pick up somewhat where we left off. If you've been made clean by God, the Lord has moved in your life. You've received a call from God. Been sanctified by the Passover Lamb. That's what happens to Moses in Exodus 19.22 and also in 24. He was cleansed. He was called into the mountain of the Lord. Hear me if God has... Hey, if you have an experience with the Passover lamb, God is calling you to mountaintop living. Amen. Calling you to be filled with the Holy Spirit to live in it. We would look at that mountain, especially after Moses said, if you come against it and breach it, you'll perish. We'd look at that mountain of fire, that smoke and earthquake, and we'd say, Run! what the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 12 had to say about it. They looked at it and they would run. But Moses climbed the mountain. But before he could climb the mountain, the Lord said, go ahead and sanctify yourselves. Amen. You see, you can't be who you've been, do what you've been doing, live like you want to live and climb the mountain. Amen. You've got to let the Lord change your life, your heart, your desires. If you've been made clean by God, you can approach the presence of God and come to the mountain of the Lord and have the Spirit of God. Sinners fear the power of God, but the forgiven saints should yearn for the Holy Ghost and fire. Luke 3 and 16, Jesus answered, said unto them, All I indeed baptize with water, one that's mightier than I cometh, whose latchet of shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand and thoroughly purges floor, and he'll gather the wheat in the garner, but the chaff he'll burn with unquenchable fire. Wonder this morning does the fire and the wind abide in your life? Everybody stand. I preach what the Lord's laid on my heart.
we hadn't got a third done, I don't guess, but I preached what the Lord said on my heart. Tried to be obedient to the Lord. This morning, do you desire God in your life more than you want anything else? Do you want Him in here more than you want to be approved of by the world? More than you want to be seen and recognized and promoted? Is He more important than money or things or stuff? Approval of men? Do you know that He abides in your heart and in your life in power? Oh Lord, blow. Wind blow, wind blow, wind blow in our lives. Sing for us if you need. You need to come pray, you come. Oh God, feel your spirit in our lives. Fill your servants with that same power, that same fire that fell on the mountain. Oh Lord, and let it abide in us. If you need to pray this morning, you come. As my feet walk through dry and barren places, <laughs> and my, my soul, soul has felt no rain now <laughs> for a while. But I believe I'm like the widow's empty barrel. But she had faith enough to bring a vast supply. I'm hungry now for another wave of glory. It's a fresh touch.
that you don't even know about. <laughs> Hallelujah. When he reveals it to you, it'll make you want to jump a foot and a half high and run to Goobertown, Arkansas back. Oh, how God loves you and me. Brother Matthew, I'm amazed that he had let me in on this. <laughs> let me be a part of his work and his power. He can exclude me from the mountain and still be God. But praise God, he's given me an invitation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. John Michael, if you run out of here today and find somebody that's more excited about what I'm excited about anything than what I am excited about this, you can find them and bring them to me. I want to meet them. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord's living in me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoa. I'm living in Him. He that saves his life will lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. I found life in the Lord Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. But praise God, I'm living on and I'll never die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to finish now the cane. Like I say, it's the full emergency break. Y'all might have to help me keep it raised between now and church time tonight, but I pulled an emergency break. Nursing home this afternoon. Pray about that meeting. Take some time to fellowship. I, I'm not going to go back the back door this morning and wore out. Take some time to fellowship. Come be with us tonight. Looking so forward to the service. Pray for one another. Hallelujah.